Good morning, everyone. It is Thursday, January the 21st. Last night was AEW Dynamite on TNT. And what an impactful show it was. There is so much to talk about here, and we'll even get into uh, some NXT results as well. But that'll be on a separate show. Uh, last night, um, you know, happy birthday to Negative One, uh, Brody Lee Jr. Um, <clears throat> as he was celebrating his birthday. The opening contest of the evening was Adam Hangman Page in the Dark Order, which was John Silva, Alex Reynolds, and Coke Cabana taking on the Chaos Project and Hybrid 2. Impressive opening contest. The Dark Order and Adam Hangman Page would win. After the match, Negative One would hit Serpentino with the cane, and the Negative One then tells the Dark Order that his birthday it was three days ago, you idiots, and then he rolls up the papers like his dad used to on BTE. Throws the papers at Serpentino, the Dark Order, then asks Adam Page if he will join the Dark Order, and he declines. He declines joining. He says he, uh, he has done the group thing before, and it did not work out for him. So uh, he's done. The commentators now send it backstage to Alex Marvez to interview Chris Jericho and MJF about their upcoming match. Then we come back to the ring where Tony Schiavone says, It's Sting! But not so good. Uh, Tony Schiavone sounded like shit last night. Um, Sting comes out, then Darby Allen comes out. Sting and Darby are in the ring. Sting tells Darby that he sees some of himself in him, wants to congratulate him on still being the TNT champion and all that good stuff. Taz would then come up on the big screen to challenge Sting and Darby, talking about the streets and things like that. Sting says something in Darby's ear. Darby then tells Taz, you know, hmm, you want to take it to the streets, you better be careful what you wish for. So I'm assuming that's them accepting the challenge. I guess we're going to see Sting and Darby Allen taking on Team Taz somehow in the streets at some point. What an interesting turn of events. The Sting, you know, it did help in a way. He didn't actually cause Darby to retain, but he did make sure that Darby had a fair fight. So now it looks like Sting's going to have his first official, unofficial match in AEW, if that's what is to come. Uh, we come back from commercial break. The Young Bucks are at Kenny Omega's home. Michael Nakazawa, the Turkish oil wrestler, is there with a laptop. He lets the guys in, leads them into the living room where there is a painting of him and Don Callis that is very... <laughs> I'll leave it alone because it was the most hideous fucking painting I've ever seen. And Don Callis. <laughs> Don Callis says he had that painting commissioned for Kenny's birthday. But uh, the, the fact that Don Callis was in it shirtless and looked ripped just killed me. It was horrible. Horrible painting. Uh, anyway, Callis said he had it commissioned, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they, you know, they have a, they have a little segment there where these guys talk, the young bucks talk with Don Callis. Callis ends up writing them some checks and they say, Hey, you know what? We used to work for the company that you work with. And we know for a fact that those checks are no good. They tear them up. And apparently they did some damage to Don Callis. We come back into Daly's place where Cody Rhodes versus Peter Avalon. 
pretty decent little match. Um, you know, um, I'm just not a fan of Peter Avalon. I don't think he's as developed as he needs to be. And, uh, of course, they had to incorporate uh, that Jade Cargill into this situation. <sighs> Boring. I don't understand why you have somebody, a, a woman of all people, attacking Cody. If they're going to do something with him and Shaq, they need to have him and Shaq setting it up, not some woman. It has no logical explanation. I get it. She come out there, and they were going to set up for something for her and Brandy, apparently. I don't know. But Brandy's pregnant. They need to leave Brandy out of shit and, and move on with it. I don't know exactly what the uh, the gist of that is. But, uh, you know. Do apologize, guys. Do apologize here. Let me get this turned down just a little bit here before we get interrupted again. But um, Cody and, and Avalon, you know, Avalon takes control for a few seconds after Cargill gets involved, nutshot, things like that. They go to picture and picture in the commercial break, come back. Avalon's actually wearing Cody down with more strikes, working him over pretty good. Um, like I said, I'm not really impressed with Peter Avalon. He went from being the librarian, and now he's uh, apparently pretty pretty Peter Avalon. I, I don't get it. Cody Rhodes would nail uh, Avalon with a stunner, followed up with a power slam, and then puts him in the figure four. When he puts him in the figure four, he attempts to slap Avalon, and Avalon stops and shows that he does not want to get slapped and taps out. So Cody would win. Cody picks up the victory. Um I'm not sure what the deal is. You know, Cody can't challenge for the AEW belt. He can challenge for the TNT belt. That's great, but he can't challenge for the heavyweight belt. Um, and it looks like with the TNT belt, they're going to kind of let Darby carry it for a little bit, which is great. Darby needs that chance to come out of his shell a little more and, and develop his character. People are being very negative against Cody. I, I don't see how you can be negative against him when he put it the stipulation in there to make sure that you would never have to be forced to watch him uh, as your heavyweight champion. I mean, he, he's got respect for the business uh, and everybody's got their own opinions. And let me just tell you this. Everybody's opinion is just like an asshole. We've all got one. We don't want to hear it. Um, and I'll say this. It's just like the damn election yesterday. Uh, just, just, just a little side note before I get back to wrestling. I watched um, just enough of it on, on you know, Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff because everybody was blowing stuff up. I missed most of it because I was on campus in class yesterday, which was great because I didn't care. It didn't matter if Trump won. It didn't matter if Biden won. They're never going to do what they say they're going to do. They're never going to make this country better. They're worried about making their pocketbook better, the government's pocketbook better. And the sad thing is, is, you know, all the sheep out there that follow the that follow along with the shepherd here, just you don't understand history. You don't understand the purpose of the government. You don't obviously understand the Constitution, but you, you've got to understand history. And, and I'm, I'm not I'm not a professor, so I'm not going to I'm not going to deep dive into this, but. Our forefathers put the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and all these other things in there to protect themselves from becoming like England, from being dictated by one person or a body of government. You need to understand exactly what, uh, you know, what government is actually here for. Government's not here 
to control our daily lives and stuff like that. They're here to, you know, make sure the bills are getting paid, make sure we're getting fair deals on trade and to keep laws there to protect everyone in their daily right and their daily life. But, you know, sidebar over with after the Cody Rhodes uh, victory, we go to the back FTR and Tully Blanchard are in the back. Uh, They're talking about the ratings just came out. And as they said that Jurassic Express interrupts, Oh, excuse me. It's been a long day. And it's it's not even halfway over. Uh, Jungle Boy challenges Dax Hardwood to a match. Dax agrees, and they have a singles match next week. John Moxley comes to the ring after this whole segment's over with. Moxley is in his uh, first singles action in quite a while against Nick Camarato, who is actually a student of... Uh, QT Marshall and Dustin Rose. Camarado uh, has uh, Moxley up, hits him with a few back with a backbreaker, delivers some heavy strikes. Fairly good match. I was really, really impressed. John Moxley would pick up the victory, though. Of course, after the max uh, match, Mox asks for the microphone. Mox begins by saying, "Anything can happen on Dynamite, and it's getting crazy." Uh, Mox also says he does not know who's in the Bullet Club now or who is a part of Impact Wrestling. He tells Omega he messed up because he is ready to go after him says he doesn't care you know it's just more bodies for him to tear up more asses for him to kick and says that all roads in professional wrestling go straight through him john moxley doesn't matter if it's japan AEW, impact whatever they go backstage with uh dasha and she announces that eddie kingston's gonna face lance archer for the first time archer then interrupts they have a a bitch fest Jake Roberts cuts a small promo, and then they cut off. Um, we get top flight Matt Seidel, which was in in it very amazing match with Private Party and Matt Hardy. And we'll get to Private Party and Matt Hardy because uh, last night, I don't know for anybody that, that doesn't watch Impact, there was a little thing on the entrance when they came out on the little thing where their name pops up that says number one contender for the Impact World Tag Titles is Private Party. That is true because on Tuesday night, they were at impact. And so before I conclude this actual episode, I'm actually going to talk about a little of impact because now impact and AEW are really starting to heat up and some very interesting things happened on Tuesday's episode of impact. But the commentators talk about private parties win last night on impact. The match begins with uh, Dante and Mark Quinn shaking hands. Dante gets the upper hand. They go back and forth fairly well. They head to another pitcher and pitcher commercial. Hardy Party is completely in control of the match through the entire commercial break. Uh, Matt Hardy hits him with a nice tope suicida, as ex clackaburra would call it. Private Party goes for the silly string, but Top Flight stops it. Hardy is now the legal man. Hardy hits the side effect on all three of his opponents. He goes for a triple pin. They kick out. Blah, blah, blah. Hurricane Ron on Cassidy gets the pin, but it's broken up a two. Isaiah Cassidy hits Dante in the ribs with a chair while Matt Hardy is distract while Matt Hardy distracts the ref. Mark Quinn goes for and hits the shooting star press private party and Matt Hardy, the Hardy Party, pick up the victory. After the match, the Hardy Hardy orders private party to attack top flight in Sidell. Hardy hits the twist of fate on Dante and Matt Sidell. Uh, they go to a backstage segment again with MJF talking to the inner circle members minus Chris Jericho. MJF tells them that they need to get the match out of the way and put it past put it past them to move on. 
Then we come back to the ring. Penelope Ford takes on the legit Layla Hirsch, who I did not realize was exactly four foot eleven, but she's a hell of an ass kicker. Of course, Marrow has Chuck Taylor out there. They have Chuck, or they're calling him Charles now, has him trip Layla. They end up holding Layla's legs down so that, uh, or Kip Sabian actually held Layla's legs down so that Penelope Ford could pick up the victory after the match. Marrow makes Chuck Taylor get in the ring. Marrow takes Taylor, makes Taylor tell Orange Cassidy, who was sitting in the crowd to watch, that his new best friend is Marrow. Uh, right after that segment, actually, JR freaks out, says, hey, there's something going on in the back. Get the cameras back there. We're getting worried there's something going on in the back. Get the cameras back there. Get them back there now. They go backstage and they show Carl Anderson, or not, yeah, Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, and Kenny Omega attacking Penta. Uh, they beat him down pretty good, blah, blah, blah. Don Callis is standing there smiling and watching, and Kenny Omega has some god-awful ugly boots. And for anybody that knows me, I love those crafty boots that have like crosses like the buckle used to sell uh i actually still have the very first pair i ever bought the the you know dress shoes finally fell apart but i still have the boots but um man kenny obega's boots were hideous he was actually trying to gouge out the eye of pentagon last night with the boot uh it looked like some damn elf shoes anyway chris jericho mjf versus sammy and hager versus santina and ortiz Fairly interesting match here. This would be the main event. They go back and forth quite a bit. Then they go to pitcher and pitcher for the commercial break. Uh, Jericho gets in the ring with his bat Floyd, but Hager kicks Jericho hard in the chest. It's pretty interesting here. However, Wardlow gets on the top of the apron and Guevara sees him, so he knocks him off by using MJF's body to push him down. MJF now gets out of it and goes for the pin on Guevara. MJF gets the win by holding the tights. Chris Jericho and MJF would pick up that victory, and that was your main event. Now, as I said, I am going to go ahead and talk a little bit about some of the impact wrestling from the night before because it's such an interesting situation. Um I might even try to pull up a clip and let it play for us as well if I have time. Uh, they open up the impact zone with an opening match between Eric Young and Rhino. Eric Young would defeat Rhino via submission. Eric Young keeps a hold on after the match before they put his ankle in a chair and Joe stomps it repeatedly as Diener holds cousin Jake back when he comes out to try to help Rhino. Uh, this past Saturday, Rich Swan was interviewed before Moose showed up. And attacked Rich before saying that he kept his promise and that he's going to be waiting for the Impact Championship match that Rich promised him, blah, blah, blah. We come back to AC talking to Tommy Dreamer about what he's found out about Larry D and how someone sprayed him to turn him into Lawrence and made him shoot John E. Bravo. Now, a lot of this is irrelevant, so if you don't want to hear it, I totally understand. The Impact World Tag Team Champions, the Good Brothers, come out to the ring before they talk about how they're the draw of the wrestling world. Carl talks about how he and Doc teamed up with the AEW world champion Kenny Omega and defeated Rich Swan, Chris Saban, and Moose. Chris Saban comes out onto the stage, interrupts Carl and Doc before saying that he and Alex are coming back for the tag belts and they want their rematch. Chris then introduces his partner for the tag match before James Storm comes out to join Chris before they get into the ring and or Chris or actually Storms comes out and joins Chris before they get into the ring to face off with Carl and Doc. 
The Good Brothers, James Storm and Chris Saban are all in the ring together. James gets on the mic and introduces Chris and himself to Carl and Doc before they are then interrupted by Matt Hardy calling himself Big Money Matt and Private Party. A tag team match is made between Private Party and James Storm and Chris Saban, where the winner will be the new number one contender at the Impact Tag Team titles. That is how Private Party got in that situation. They go backstage to interview with Matt Cordona, who is interviewed about his disqualification win uh, at Hard to Kill. They go to commercial break. They come back from commercial break. The graphic for Impact uh, World Tag Team Championship number one contender match later that night in the main event. They get a recap of the Tasha Still and Kara Hogan defeating Havoc and Nevaeh. Bob Balaw then shows up asking Kira and Tasha for his money. Brian Myers comes out of an elevator. I don't even know what the hell that has to do with anything. Kimberly and Susan versus Jordan Gracie and Jazz. The four women brawl before Jazz beats on Susan and stomps her. Uh, before she and Jordan take turns beating on Susan. Somehow, the winners of this would be Susan and Kimberly defeating Jazz and Jordan Gracie via pinfall. Um, I don't even know what the deal is with that. But um, Tyra Valkyrie is being interviewed. This was another one of those interesting segments, and I may try to get the clip up because I just I cracked up. Uh, they accuse her of spraying the ring rust in whoever this other guy's face is. Um, she, she admits to it, says that she never supported Rosemary and Johnny Bravo and uh, that she wants to... She's sorry that he didn't die and all this other shit. Well, they have some fake police come in and take her out. And <laughs> this, they're taking her out. Tommy Dreamer says, well, if she's lucky, they'll take her to the Jacksonville State Penitentiary. And if she's not so lucky, they'll take her to the Stanford, Connecticut Maximum Security Prison for two optional three years. And that'll really change a man's soul. And then some guy standing there with him made the comment, well, I hope they don't take her to Baltimore. And for those of you that don't get the references, Jacksonville, of course, is where AEW is hosted. Stanford, Connecticut is the home of WWE headquarters. And Baltimore is where Ring of Honor is. The fact that Tommy Dreamer referred to them as, you know, state prisons and penitentiaries and and said that, you know, optional two to three years and it would change your soul. That was that was funny. Um because everybody's saying now that WWE is just like being in prison. I mean, everybody's made that reference now. John Moxley made it. Several of the guys have made it. They busted out. They're they're getting to live their best life. But anyway, Tara Valkyrie's contract is actually up with Impact. That was her write-off of TV. So funny way to end it. We come back to the Impact World Champion Rich Swan as he comes out to the ring and talks about how close he came to pinning Kenny Omega. Yet you didn't pin Kenny Omega, so it's irrelevant. And then uh, before Rich offers Moose a shot at the title, when Moose comes out before he offers him a shot at the title, Rich says that they'll do things on his time and when he wants to do it before Rich attacks him and Moose misses a spear in the corner before hitting a Phoenix Splash. Rahit Raja walks into Scott Diamore's office before the exhibition champion TJP shows up and Scott makes a non-title match between the two that Rahit assumes is a title match. Brian Myers versus Falaba, who I have no clue these guys are. Anyway, Brian Myers would defeat Falaba via pinfall. Ace Austin and Madman Fulton are interviewed backstage where Ace says that it was a tragedy that he lost to Matt Cordona. 
Cordana before saying that people pay money to see him. Josh Alexander then interrupts and challenges Ace to a match before Josh and Matt attack Ace and Fulton, uh, who run off as we go to commercial. We get a recap of Bob Wire Massacre, where Eddie Edwards defeated Sammy Callahan. We then go to a doctor checking on Eddie before they're interrupted by Brian Myers before Eddie challenges Brian to a match for next week. We get a graphic for Ace Austin and Mad Matt Fulton against Josh Alexander, blah, blah, blah. Impact World Tag Team Championship Normal Contender Match. Also, at some point during this, there was one of those so-called paid ads from Tony Khan. He was joined by uh, none other than Jerry Lynn. Uh, Jerry Lynn actually has wrestled in Impact, so that's pretty neat, or in TNA. And uh, so it was pretty neat. Uh, they say they're actually going to be there. They're going to scout out, scout out the talent at uh, the Impact Zone, et cetera, et cetera, um, which would then lead to the main event where they're actually in the in the building. There's no crowd other than Tony Khan and Jerry Lynn <laughs> in this building to watch Chris Saban and James Storms take on Private Party with Big Money Matt at ringside. Fairly decent little match. Always a huge fan of Cowboy James Storm. Sorry about your damn luck, guys. I was hoping that Chris Saban and James Storm would pick up this victory somehow, some way. But you've got Jerry Lynn and Tony Khan at ringside. Matt Hardy somehow distracts the referee. Um, I'm trying to figure out exactly how to explain this. They break up a lot here. Um. Chris Saban was on the top rope getting ready to do something. Jerry Lynn comes running around the guardrail, grabs the ankle of Chris Saban. The referee is distracted by Matt Hardy. Private Party then hit Chris with gin and juice to pin Chris Saban for the win. So Private Party would defeat Chris Saban and James Storm to become the number one contender to the Good Brothers Impact World Tag Team titles. Doc and Carl come out to the ring after the match and face off a Private Party as we go off the air with all three teams brawling. What a hellacious impact. Excuse me. That was just a very interesting impact. Um, I'm interested to see exactly what's going on. Has Tony Khan bought Impact Wrestling? Are they going to keep them as separate entities and and continue to run Impact and, and have the invasion-style angle where Impact and AEW guys are cross-brand promoting each other and coming after each other and things like that. I'm not sure exactly what they're planning. I haven't gotten any inside news on it. No one wants to come up off the goods, uh, no matter what you offer to pay at this point. They're not coming up off the goods because I don't think a lot of people on the inside know at this point. It's 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 mainly a Tony Khan thing. Uh, I know Tony Khan has been collaborating with John Moxley on a lot of Moxley stuff. He's dealing with, you know, of course, the impact situation where they're going back and forth between the two. Um, but it is what it is. Very interesting situation here. I'll probably start trying to do the Impact AEW show kind of together since they're they're working together and cross-promoting each other and, and, and invading. That way you can get the results from Impact because I'm not – I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't watch Impact, and if Tara Valkyrie shows up in WWE, she won't be there long because she's not their style of woman. Her best bet would be to go to AEW. Uh, I know she's married to John Morrison. It would be great for her to be able to travel with her husband, but she's not WWE material in my opinion. She's, she's a good athlete, but she's not a WWE uh, women's champion not gonna happen uh, unless they repackage her and give her a new look or they put her with john morrison i, I don't know 
But I, I feel like AEW Dynamite did pretty good last night. Fairly good show. I really, I'll be honest with you, I didn't watch as near as hard as I normally do. I normally sit there and watch every match and enjoy it and take deep, deep notes. I, I took the bare minimum of notes because I had a math quiz to do today, which I'll let everybody know I made a B. Uh, made a B on that math quiz today, my first math quiz of the semester. I've got uh, quite a bit of homework, so I'm taking a little bit of time off just to kind of hop myself up, get some energy flowing here. As you notice, I've been yawning, um, but trying to just uh, to get motivated for the rest of the day because I have uh, got a big seven-page paper to write. I've got uh, two things of chemistry homework due next week. i got some math homework that I've already got done. i got all kinds of stuff going on. Um, but as y'all know, college will come first. So if it if it gets to the point to where the podcasts are taking away from my my study time, they will, you know, I will resume all duties to Titanic until further notice if it needs to happen. But um, I feel like Impact, um, you know, probably getting a few few better ratings, but nothing major for them. Wrestling is kind of at a dead drop, and I really feel like that has a lot to do with. Um, Lack of logical storylines, lack of logical in-ring ability. I get it. We love the matches that just go for 20 minutes and they hit every move. And and, and all these fans out there say, oh, that's so great. It's so cool that they can do all these flips, flops, and dives. But you've got to look at the big picture here. Uh, and a lot of the old school fans, of course, Jim Cornette being one of them, um, and I refer to Jim Cornette because he's very, you know, derogatory toward uh, high spots, monkey flipping, all this bullshit that they do around the ring. And um, it, it, there's there's going to come a point where these guys realize that their body can't handle 100 bumps a match. And they start to break down. I mean, Matt Jackson's already having back problems and he's not much older than I am. Uh, and which says a lot, but I have a lot of back problems because I did a lot of hardcore matches and dumb shit when I was in the business. But the point is, you've got to draw a line. If you want to pull people in, you need to kind of go back to the basics. AEW could be the saving grace of professional wrestling if they pump enough believability into it i mean you've got this partnership with impact and you've got some hellacious talent over on impact now there's some of them i wouldn't fucking i wouldn't waste my time with there's some of them i'll just be honest with you i wouldn't waste my time on them but i would go and i'd pull the cream of the crop from impact i'd pull the cream of the crop from AEW, and i would make a show where these guys interact and invade on each other and all this other shit and you could take the time that impact has on tuesday nights Continue to pay access, or you could find another TV channel that wants wrestling, and move Impact there, keep it separate branded, leave Impact there and run a top-notch show, make it more believable, move production to Florida if you need to, whatever. But I wouldn't run it out of the Daily's Place. I'll tell you that right now. I would not run Impact out of Daily's Place because then it would give it away that you bought it. I would run it out of somewhere else. But there, there's so much they could do. Um Especially if they're working with, you know, Japan. If they're working with uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, which could be the rumor. If they're working with AAA, which obviously is not true because they've had to change some of the Luchador store stars' names due to contract contractual obligations and issues with AAA, like Phoenix and and Penta and them. But uh, you know, there's so much going on. They're working with NWA. They could get with Billy Corgan. I'm sure Billy Corgan has plenty of ideas. I'm sure he wouldn't mind having some of your guys 
on NWA the way you've been pushing his women wrestlers on y'all show. Uh, looking forward to seeing Britt Baker take on Thunder Rosa. Next week's going to be huge. We've got Dax Hardwood take on Jungle Boy. So much to go on. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's it. I, I threw AEW and Impact on there together for you guys. That way y'all would kind of understand what's going on there as AEW and Impact continue to invade. We do not know for sure yet if Tony Khan has purchased Impact Wrestling, but it sure seems that way. Sure seems like there's a lot going on under the table around here. But anyway, we hope you guys enjoyed AEW Dynamite as it has concluded. And again, I wish you all well. We have not been shut down. Uh, we actually have not even been put under a mask mandate yet. <laughs> I mean, we are under mask mandates, but uh, y'all know what I'm talking about. Political drama. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to Wrestling with the Locals. I've got studying to do, and I'm probably going to throw out an NXT podcast real quick to you guys and break down some of NXT last night as well. Thank you guys for the continued love and support. And don't forget Saturday, the second part of Hellraiser Johnson, Buster Hellraiser Johnson, and Sexy Sam Dollar with Titanic. Make sure you check it out right here at Wrestling with the Locals, guys. You have a great day.